Good morning. So we love your pastors, and we did spend a lot of time together last night. In fact, the restaurant, I kid you not, kicked us out. They said, you've been at this table too long, get out of here. Of course, they waited until he paid the bill, and then we were gone. So we had a great time together. 2020. Strange. Did you wake up on New Year's Day in 2020 and say, I have some resolutions. I resolve to stay in my pajamas and work from home for the entire year. I love my kids so much, I resolve to keep them away from the school building because I love spending eight hours a day with them teaching them. Or if you're a teacher, I resolve it would be really so much easier to work from home. I resolve to buy 450 pounds of toilet paper. I resolve to let a nurse stick a one-foot cotton swab up my nose until it touches my brain. A pandemic, quarantine, masks, social distancing, churches closed, businesses closed, protests, riots, wildfires, hurricanes. 2020. I have a friend who says this. He says, never waste a good crisis. Because as a follower of Jesus, you will always find an amazing opportunity in that. So there are those who saw that you all could not meet together in this building for a while. And their thinking is that your proclamation of Jesus and your outreach is closed down. But on the contrary, your previous generation was in full motion while you weren't gathered together and went into places that you have never been before. And when you were stuck at home ordering masks from Amazon, your compassion was being unmasked in this community and around the world. And you've been answering one of the most important questions, especially during a crisis. And the question is, is, don't, is this, don't you care? Mark, a follower of Jesus, records this, this uh, story that Jesus had been teaching all day long that the kingdom of God is here. Because they'd been looking for the kingdom of God. And so he said, it, it's here, it's here now. So he spent an entire day explaining what that looked like in their lives and in their lifestyle. And then he was so exhausted, he said to his disciples, let's get in a boat and go across this, this lake, the Sea of Galilee. So they got in a boat that was about 26 feet long, about 7 feet wide, about 4 feet deep, and would hold about 15 people. And it was a nice evening, nighttime cruise until a storm blew in suddenly against them. Now, the, the word that is used in the description that Mark says is actually a megastorm. A megastorm that would be comparable to a tropical storm for us or a, or a Category 1 hurricane. And because the Sea of Galilee is shallow, its deepest point is 200 feet the waves whip up high immediately and began to swamp the boat. Lake Erie is, is, is comparable in that depth, and Pam and I were with some friends, four adult friends, and with a couple who are a host on a 42-foot sailboat, 1-4th of July. And we were sailing in Lake Erie and, and going to head back in and enjoy the fireworks as we sat on this boat. Suddenly the storm, unexpected, whips up, and the wind becomes so strong it begins to catch the mainsail and begins tipping the boat. 
Talk about tipping point. We, we were there. They yelled at us to go down underneath, and they were going to take care of getting the mainsail down. They didn't want us up, up there and, and take a chance for us going overboard. So we went down, and as we were down there, and they were scurrying about, the wind picked up in its strength, and it began to tip more. And what was a porthole at one point where we watched the lake shore, it was now like an aquarium window where we saw underwater stuff. I ran up halfway up the stairs and looked up to see if they were still on board. And sure enough, there they were, and they looked so peaceful, so in control. They knew what they were doing, unlike the people that were down inside the boat. In fact, the people down inside the boat began to sing a song, and you would think as followers of Jesus, they would sing a, a very powerful song about God. And, and I was, you, know, you would expect that maybe they would sing, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how we fight our battles. No, 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 no. They sang the theme from Gilligan's Island. The weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. So Mark describes this scene. And he says this. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And a furious squall, a megastorm, came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, and what did they say? Those three words. What is it? Don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we go down under? Don't you care if we die? When you find yourself in crisis, and perhaps you found yourself in that place this year, maybe you're in that crisis now. When you're in a crisis and you come to a, a, an understanding that you've lost control and you feel like you have no resources to solve your issue. You begin to look for someone to solve that problem, someone who has the ability to do that. And when they don't respond to you, you want to say, hey, don't you care? Pam and I were working in a church years ago and th the whole economy went, went haywire and, and, and they came to us and said, we can't pay you anymore. So we felt like God said, well, just keep working here. So we kept working. I worked there, and then I would go out and, and mow yards and paint houses and do whatever is necessary to try to pay a mortgage. Then during that time, one of the, the people in the church came by to show me his new boat. Now, we had no money, and he wanted to show me his new boat, which I thought was very insensitive. And, and, and again, the feeling was, don't you care? Shortly thereafter... A friend of ours who was in the Air Force came by and said, I got to tell you that I just, uh, I just got promoted to captain and got a raise. I thought, oh, great. And he said, so we've decided that every week we're going to bring you groceries. And they did that. So the question is, don't you care? In the present climate of COVID and the economic issues and the, and the businesses that have been affected, and maybe even your job, there's a question out there when people look at the church because the church is the image of Jesus on the earth now. And the question is, don't you care? Don't you care if my husband is on a respirator fighting for his life with COVID? Don't you care that I've lost my job? Don't you care that, that my business is drowning? Don't you care? And Jesus had just been teaching these disciples that the kingdom of God is here. So they go awaken him. And what they didn't need from Jesus and what he did not do was stand up and proclaim the kingdom of God is here. 
Because when people are in crisis, words are shallow. You know, I'm sorry, and if you'll just come to church, we'll pray for you. I'm sorry if you will just do this thing, if you will just read these scriptures, if you'll do just do this thing. When people are in crisis, they do not want a proclamation of God is here. They want a demonstration that God is here. So our friends who own the boat answered that question, don't you care, by getting us back to the marina safely. And Jesus answered that by telling the storm, got up and he said to the storm, hush. And there it was, a demonstration that God is here. So this morning, Pam and I are here to tell you thank you. Thank you for caring. Thank you for already having answered that question, don't you care? Because you have responded by saying, yes, we do, by a demonstration that God is here. Here's what caring looks like. Caring is without conditions. You know, I've, I've heard the word, the phrase, unconditional love. In reality, you don't need to say unconditional love because that's like saying you are really pretty beautiful. That's redundant. Because love has no conditions. Absolutely none. Love doesn't say... I love you except when your breath stinks. I love you except when you leave those socks again in the family room for the fifth night in a row. I love you when you don't burn the lasagna. I love you when, except when you, when you lose the game for us. I, I love you except when you voted for that person for president. Which you saw a lot of that on Facebook and social media. Love has no conditions. Love by its very nature has no conditions. That is why Paul the Apostle told followers of Jesus these words, therefore as God's chosen people, people who are set aside, who are different than the culture you live in because you live for a culture that never ends. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion. This is a great word. Because you can come to Jesus and he can begin to change your life, but there's certain things that we have to do. And Paul says you have got to clothe yourself with compassion. You have to take that and put that on you. And that word has a sense of urgency. Right now, put on the, cloth, the, the clothing of compassion. Because it will give you the ability to see people who are in despair. And the word despair simply means this, that tomorrow will be no better than today. And as you put on this cloak of compassion, this, this coat of compassion, you begin to see people who are in despair, and you begin to have this understanding of what you can do. You can do something, and God, in that process, will provide for you what you need to respond to that person. But you have got to put on this, this clothing of compassion to keep your eyes open for people who are in despair. So in 1994, Hal Donaldson, a successful author and a writer, went to Calcutta, India to, to write a book. And while he was there, some friends introduced him to Mother Teresa where he could interview her. And during the interview, Mother Teresa said to him, Hal, what are you doing for the, the hurting and the hungry? He said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there before Mother Teresa this very godly woman, he says, I realize I can't lie to her. So he says this. He says, I'm doing nothing. And her response was, everybody can do something. And then he learned that he should do the next kind thing that God puts in front of him. 
So he went back and began to look around to see despairing people and actually interviewed a lot of them. And then he came home. He loaded up his pickup truck, he and his brothers, loaded up the pickup truck with groceries and began to go out to the migrant workers in Northern California and began to feed them because now they had taken upon themselves this cloak, this, this clothing of compassion. And then they looked for another opportunity and another opportunity. And in 1994, as they began to do this, it began a movement of compassion of others who would also wear this clothing of compassion. I used to tell my church that we don't feed people so they come to Jesus. Because if they decide they're not coming to Jesus, do I quit feeding them? I used to tell them, we feed people because we came to Jesus. It is his DNA. It is that coat we wear. Don't you care? Oh, yes, we do. But you say, but, but if I begin to do that, I'll see so many needs and I don't have much to give. I want to tell you that caring defies expectations. When COVID hit, Hal Donaldson gra ga gathered together the staff and he said this, we've got to do something and shutting down is not the something we have to do. So he said, we're going to continue feeding over 300,000 children a week in 18 countries. We're going to continue to empower women across the world. We're going to continue to train farmers how to grow crops so they can feed their people. And then he said, I have this goal, and, and he said, I, I'd like for us to just empty out our warehouses. And we have a warehouse in Springfield, Missouri that's about four to five football fields in size. He said, we're going to empty that thing out and go as far as we can, but I have this, this thing that, that I think we should try to send out at least 10 million meals. And so they began to load up the trucks and send them out to churches who had compassion on their community, who wore this clothing of compassion, and begin to distribute those to people. And you did it. You were, you were some of those people. Turn to the people next to you, and I know they can't hear you very well, but say, way to go. Absolutely. So we started sending out those trucks. And we continued to go until we would have nothing left. And here's what we found. We found churches that were giving hope to people who had no hope before. We found churches that, that were, were feeding the hungry. And we found churches that were praying for people in lines in cars. People who had never stepped foot into a building like this. Who suddenly were understanding that there is a God who loves them. And you were praying over them. And what you didn't do is this. You didn't, you didn't say to them as they drove up, you didn't say, Republican or Democrat? You didn't say, hey, what's your stance on abortion? You didn't say, baptized, immersion, sprinkle, or none at all. You didn't do any of that. You just said, let me feed people who are in despair. You defied expectations. You see, a miracle is where expectations are defied. Suddenly a person says, I didn't believe that could happen. So it's the lady who was in, in line in her car being interviewed by a local television station and they said to her, why are you here? And what's happened? And she said, yesterday we ran out of food. I didn't know what we we're going to do. And she said, then I heard this church is giving out food and stuff. So I waited this long in line and she said, look at my trunk. It's full. And she began to weep. 
she experienced a miracle. It's the, the, the volunteer in Houston, Texas, who carried up boxes of groceries and supplies and put them at the front door of a single mom and her preschool child. They were standing behind a screen door, and he could hear this conversation between mom and son. The son said, Mom, who is that guy? And mom said, well, that's a superhero. And he said, well, what's in the box? She said, everything we prayed for today. Another miracle. When COVID hit globally, the country of Spain began to shut down, and they had, had everyone stay home. And as a result of that, the, the very active trafficking in Spain shut down. And all of those immigrants brought in illegally that were used for trafficking suddenly were told, we're not taking care of you. Go find your own way. Tens of thousands of them. Convoy of Hope, along with the local church, because we always work through the local church, and other agencies began to find these people and begin to rescue them. And because of your generosity, we were able to begin to feed these workers, these, traffic, these trafficked people, these immigrants. We began to begin training them in a new vocation. And we started them on a 10-week discipleship process of following Jesus. Right now, 80,000 of them are being served because of your generosity. They are finding a hope that tomorrow will be better than today. Jesus had no prerequisites for caring, but I'm going to tell you this, that caring sets the stage for people to be found by God. Don't you care? <laughs> oh, yes, we do. You say, but, but how long will this go on? How long do I need to be looking? Well, here, here's the, the issue. How long do you look for people who are in despair? Because they're all around you. Caring stretches us beyond our assumed capacity. You think you can only go so far. Remember when Jesus said to his disciples, there's a lot of people out there and there's 5,000 families and we need to feed them and, and so go feed them and said, we have nothing. And they said, what do you have? We said, we have a kid here with lunch. He said, we'll use that. And the amazing thing is that not only did, did they feed everybody, but then they had these baskets left over and it doesn't tell us what they did with the baskets, but I think the kid got them. Because here's the deal, here's the principle, that when we take the little that we have and we use it in caring for other people, God says, I will expand it so that not only does that take care of that, but it gives you more to share. You will not run out. So when Hal said we were going to send out 10 million meals, I got to be honest, I was cynical. I said, where's that all going to come from? And, and we said 10 million meals, and in three weeks we ran through 10 million meals. He said, we're going to keep going until we have nothing left, and that was in March. He said, we're going to continue feeding 300,000 kids. And you've got to understand that these kids are kids that normally would be living off of a garbage dump where they'd be collecting any leftover food or something they could repurpose to sell to get food. These kids would be working in the fields with their parents because of the poverty that exists among them. But when they find out that these kids can actually go to school and be fed, the parents send the kids to school, and there, those boys and girls get an education that will help move them out of poverty. They learn how to grow crops. They're trained in agriculture. 
They receive a Bible and they are discipled in following Jesus. Because there's a whole bunch of people who said, we've got compassion and, and we're going to take care of these kids and it only costs $10 a month to do that for one kid. Do we care? Yes, we do. In fact, we care so much that we have a goal that by the year 2025, we will be feeding 500,000 children. And after that, a few years later, we're hoping for a million. So the mothers of those kids come, and, and they help feed the kids. And we said, well, these mothers need something. So we started a mother's club. And the mother's club, you can come, and there you learn your value. In, a, in, in, the, country, excuse me, in the countries where we serve, the women are not valued. And so we started telling them, you're valued, and here's who you are in Jesus. And here's some parenting skills and life skills and job skills, and we'll teach you how to start a business. In fact, did we show the picture yet up there? We just showed you, yeah. So, so here on the left in the very top, <clears throat> Pastor Benny and Pastor Kelly were with us at that one. 26 women. We sat there and listened to them talk about how Jesus had changed their lives and how having a job now, a business that they're creating, how it's changing the village. It's just amazing. In fact, they, they told us that the men see such a difference in them and so excited that the, some of the men want to start coming to the women's clubs, which is very interesting for a Latin community. And then, and then we said, well, the girls need something because the girls are in a, in a culture that says uh, be involved sexually at an early age, get married at an early age. Instead, we started forming groups with the girls, a girls' empowerment, and begin tell, telling them, this is who you are in Jesus. Taught them about hygiene and nutrition and spiritual health, and emotional health, and how to say no to harmful cultural norms so that they would continue and, and, and go to, to the next stage, into, into their next schooling, and be able to go on from there and, and begin to, to work in the, in the workforce and come out of poverty and not get married at such an early age and put that off and begin making decisions that will make a greater impact for them positively in their family in the future. You know, it only costs 25 bucks a year to bring one of those girls through 52 weeks of, of that education. And the amazing thing is, after you guys, I went back to, to El Salvador, and I was watching these children going through a discipleship course, and there were these girls in green shirts, and I said, who are these girls? They said, these are the girls who went through Girls Empowerment who are now training the kids on how to follow Jesus. That's what you have done. When asked, don't you care, we say, oh, yes, we do. One of the best ways to fight hunger is to train the village and the community on how to grow their own crops. And, and who cares if we do that? Well, we've got a guy on our staff named Jason Struble who's a doctor of agronomy. We call him Dr. Dirt. He cares. Check this out. So when I had my first wife, it stopped raining, the crops were so bad that I thought it was the end of the world. The kids got sick, and I don't have money to go to the hospital to see doctor with her. 
When I have something, I have to sell it to feed the kids. And I get to a time where I didn't have anything and they cannot find the food to eat. The sickness gets worse and then they die. My wife died and the house that I was using, I sold it to bury my wife. I buried one child, my wife, and of a second child, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. I feel the pain inside. I heard about the agriculture program in the church where I worship, and it helps me a lot. So I have the opportunity on a daily basis to take the best practices and the knowledge of agriculture and take it to communities who have never had access to it. We were living in darkness. We didn't know the best way to plant. But the Kanbaho agronomist came to my field and gave me advice how to grow more food, to grow better crops, and we make more money. Kanbaho gives us all of the seeds that we need to plant our crops at the beginning of the season. So when we harvest the crop, we give 10% back to Kanba Hope. We require that they give us 10% back of their harvest at the end of the year, because we don't want to just give somebody something. Nothing's for free. We want buy-in. We want them to toil with us. Kanba uses that 10% to feed our children and the schools. So in one way to say it, we help ourselves through Kanba Hope. We thank you, Convoy. You're really making a difference in Haiti. So when asked, don't you care? We say, oh, yes, we do. We just do the next kind thing that God puts in front of us. And so when Hal said, we're going to do 10 million meals, and I was skeptical. I had forgotten that when we, when, we, when we give away what we have, God has this way of, of moving us beyond our assumed capacity. And so what started out as 10 million meals as of last week is 150 million meals. That's what we're all part of. So when you are asked, don't you care, you can respond with a strong word to say, yes, we do, because here's what you did last year. Because of your generosity last year, what, what you gave us would give us the ability to feed 375 kids for a year, and in some places, that's the entire school. You've given us the ability to empower 45 women or empower, 100, or, pardon me, empower 1,800 girls. And that's really important because right now, those who are looking over what's happening in the world, experts on hunger and poverty tell us that the COVID pandemic possibly has moved our, our, 
our success against hunger and poverty back by 30 years. But the good news is this. We are in the boat. And we care. So let's do the next kind thing that God puts in front of us. Shall we do that? You, you, and you've got coming up this thing called One Day to Feed the World. It's for you to walk by faith to say, this is what I make in a day. And so on this Sunday, I'm going to bring the, the equivalence of one day of work. You're going to have some stickers that are going to say, I gave one day. And people are going to ask you at work, what are you doing? What's that sticker? You're going to say, today is a sacred day. Today is a day that I'm working not for me or for my church. I'm working for a mother in Guatemala. I'm working for a child in the Philippines. I'm working for a farmer in Haiti. I'm giving them this day so that they find hope. And so I encourage you to come because you care. Because there are no conditions. Because you go beyond what is expected. Because as you do, God will increase your capacity. And you'll discover that your one day of giving will change their every day. So let's put on this garment of compassion. And when asked, don't you care, we say, yes, we do. In fact, here's how I want to end this. I would like to ask you that question, don't you care? And then I want you to respond loudly, yes, we do. And if you're at home, scream it and let people figure out what you're doing. And, and so I first say this. I'm going to ask you this question in this room. And I ask, don't you care? I want you just to, to, to turn and, and just look at somebody and say, yes, we do. Would you do that with me? Don't you care? Okay, now this next step is louder because what I want you to do is tell your leadership and to tell Pastor Benny and Pastor Kelly that you believe in this. So would you respond to this the same way, only louder? Don't you care? Now I want you to tell the spiritual forces around us in this community to tell them so that the angels rejoice and the demons shudder. Don't you care? God bless you. Powerful, powerful. Man, yes, we do. I do believe that the forces of darkness just heard that. In Jesus' name. You know, our mission here is to love God, love people, and what? Yeah, it's, it's the three things that Jesus told us in his word. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And because God loves people, we love people. Did you realize that God is in the people business? And because God is in the people business, that means we are in the people business. So we love God. Because we love God, we love people. And then he told us to go make disciples, go, go do the next kind thing, go reach people for Jesus. And so part of your giving to Convoy of Hope is helping change the world. It's so encouraging to hear what you're giving. Those last few stats was, was just this church, was those, those people that had, those, those children that have been fed and those women that have been empowered that Kelly and I got to visit in El Salvador and those girls that are getting education and finding hope. You are an active part of that. Convoy of Hope is one of our strategic missions partners. We believe in them so much and their vision. And so they are in complete alignment with our vision to love God, love people, and to change the world. And so I want you to be in prayer. In fact, right now, why don't just around the room, you just close your eyes, bow your head for a moment. How would the Lord have you respond? I know that this is a church full of people who have compassion, who have a love for God and a love for his people. But, but even in the next couple of weeks, what can you be doing? Who is in your sphere of influence? 
that you could reach out to, that you could minister to. And then be in prayer. How much would God have you, have you bring in a couple of weeks? He said, you know, uh, your, your one day salary. So divide your salary by 365. Maybe you want to do one, one week instead of one day. How would God have you respond today? Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the challenge that we've heard from Pastor Jack today. I thank you for this church who is active in compassion. Lord, I pray that we would once again clothe ourselves in compassion. Lord, I pray that we would see people the way you see them, as sons and daughters, as brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray that you would move our hearts with compassion for others. Lord, we understand that at the end of our lives, you're gonna ask us two questions. What did you do with Jesus? And Lord, I pray that everybody in here will make a decision to follow you. And secondly, what did you do with what I gave you? And Lord Jesus, you're asking us that today. You've given us so much. Your word says, to whom much is given, much is required. And so, Lord, show us what you would have us do. We want to use the resources that you have put in our hands to make a difference, to offer hope. We thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for being here. Our time is just about done, but I just want you to be in prayer for what God would have you do in a couple of weeks. We're gonna come uh, with you and, and ask you to give one day's wage. If you're watching online and uh, you're not gonna be able to make it, that's okay too. You can go to calvarymd.com and, and designate that gift. Just say one day to feed the world or a convoy of hope and we'll make sure it gets put in, in the, the right hands. For the rest of you, right there, you can take that little... Um, uh, pamphlet if you want and be in prayer over what God would have you to do there's two things on your seat uh, but the one that says one day to feed the world a convoy of hope take that with you put it in your Bibles be in prayer about what is what God would have you do and uh, and I'm just going to ask you all around the room to stand our um, our hosts are going to dismiss you in just a moment but before we do that can we just sing amen like so be it Yes, we will. We will be people who are clothed in compassion. Come on, let's.